good. Hey, um, so November last year, just immediately preceding summer, was time to kickstart my summer vegetable garden. Now, for those of you that have been to our home, you'll know that to say we've just got a small slice of land to farm would be something of an understatement. But success in life is not always about having the best, but it's about doing the best with what you have. So my little patch coming into summer, I decided it was gonna go all out on tomatoes. And not just the tomatoes that you can buy in the supermarket that all look the same, have no flavor. No, this was gonna be a kaleidoscope of tomatoes, heirloom varieties, black Russian, mortgage lifter, San Marzano, the uh, famous Sicilian tomato that I'm sure you've all heard of. Little yellow cherry tomatoes, black truss tomatoes, tomatoes that were green, uh, tiger tomatoes that are green but with yellow stripes, hence the name. Uh, anyway, so I put in our little patch about 30 plus tomato plants. So many, in fact, that uh, Neil and Tanya Watson came for Sunday lunch, uh, probably about a month afterwards, and I gave them the tour of, of uh, my vegetable patch, which lasts about seven seconds. Um, there it is. And uh, Tanya exclaimed, boy, you must really like tomatoes. And I'm like, I really like tomatoes. They were coming good. I even by that stage, we're only a month in, I'd started to pick some. They were growing, they were beautiful, all organic. I put compost in, I got a worm farm going there. Styling up, man. I'm like, this is going to be a great summer of tomatoes. I'm gonna turn red. And uh, anyway, probably about three weeks later, just coincidentally, by the way, uh, three weeks later, went to bed one night, as you do, and woke up in the morning, which is also something you do. And um, I walked outside to tour my patch, which I do every morning, source of great joy, to see how it's progressed in the last 24 hours. Everything dead. And I mean like to the ground, brown, dead. Almost no evidence that there was ever a living tomato plant in there. Overnight. Mm. Disappointing, so disappointing. This is December, we have barely even started tomato season. So disappointing. It's a thing called blight and I haven't got time to go into it with you. This is not a gardening lesson. But it's a reminder, and you guys know this in your life, that it is disappointing when what we plant doesn't produce. And, and, and it might not be vegetable for you. It might've been the course of study you undertook that, ha that didn't end up leading to the dream job that you were hoping for. It, it might've been the friendship that you started developing that for reasons beyond your control hit a dead end. It's disappointing. It, it could've been the job, the dream job that you had and yet despite bringing your best day in, day out, the company went bust. It, it's disappointing. It's disappointing when what we plant doesn't produce. It's disappointing if you're a leader or a boss or a manager investing into a staff member and they end up tapping out. It's, just, it's, it's hugely disappointing when what we plant doesn't produce. Because 
Here's the thing. Disappointment isn't about what happens to us. Disappointment is about what happens to us compared to what we were hoping would happen. See, when things meet our expectations, we're happy, right? When things exceed our expectations, we're ecstatic. Problem is, not everything in life meets or exceeds our expectations. Some things in life fall beneath our expectations and those things, the gap, is what causes us to be disappointed. Now, I wanna talk about disappointment. All morning long. <sighs> Who's excited? Open your Elevate app if you've got that and click on the Bible. It'll automatically take you to a story that Jesus told and I'm gonna teach from that uh, this morning. If you haven't yet got our Elevate Church app, what's wrong with you? But we'll put this story up on the screens because we're nice. The story, Jesus told them a story, them being the listeners of Jesus at the time. A man had an apple tree planted in his front yard. He came to it expecting to find apples, but there weren't any. He said to his gardener, what's going on here? Exclamation mark. For three years now, I've come to this tree expecting apples and not one have I found. Chub it down! Exclamation mark. Why waste good ground with it any longer? Rhetorical question. The gardener said, uh, hmm, look, let's give it another year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it and maybe, maybe, maybe it'll produce next year. And look, fair enough, if it doesn't, then we chop it down. Now, this story is all, this is the poster child story about disappointment. We've actually got three characters here that all have to play in disappointment. I think the owner was probably, at least on the surface, the most disappointed of all because he came along expecting the gardener who he's paying to have done a good job, good enough so that the tree is producing the fruit. So he's disappointed in the gardener and of course, he's disappointed in the tree. Now, the gardener will come to learn he's actually a good guy. He's actually good at what he does. And, and so, because if he wasn't, you know, the, the owner comes along and says, hey, mate, the apple tree's not producing any apples. And the, and the gardener just gives him the Francis Underwood treatment. Listen, mate, who cares? Screw you, it's not my problem. But he didn't. So he was disappointed that the tree wasn't producing fruit. Now, we've been in both of those situations haven't we? We've been in situations where we've put expectations on other people and they haven't produced. And actually often, there could have been the right sort of expectations. Some people don't even get over the small bar in life. That's, that's the reality and it leaves us disappointed. And then the third player in this story is the tree. The tree isn't disappointed. The tree's disappointing. It's the thing that didn't produce. And whether you like to admit it or not, we've all been that as well. We've all had people, whether it's parents, your spouse, your boss, your neighbor, your bank manager, <laughs> people who've relied on us to produce and meet a certain set of expectations. And we haven't met them and we've been the source of the disappointment. So I wanna dive into this story, this really great encouraging story that's all about disappointment. 
Let's start at the very beginning because after all, it's a very good place to start. Now, here's the thing, Jesus, right? This is Jesus, the Son of God, who, who left heaven and came to earth. And one of the things, he ultimately want, wanted to die for us, but in the process, he wanted to teach us some stuff. So here's what this guy, the Son of God, came to earth. He, he started this story trying to teach us this. Listen for it. I don't want you to miss this. You listening? A man had an apple tree planted in his front yard. He came to it expecting to find apples. Wow. Jesus. Thank you, Captain Obvious. So what's that all about? Well, <clears throat> if you ever, if you ever, um, someone buys you a drum kit accidentally, or you decide you wanna start to play drums, there's two ways to do it. There's the wrong way, which uh, I refer to as the animal beat drums approach. If you're a mobile, you just go, <laughs> right? And no one has just been fooled that if you can do that, they're not fooled to thinking, oh, this guy really can play drums. Cause like, no, that just proves you're a lunatic. So what happens is the right way to do it is you find an instructor and they will actually uh, confiscate your drum kit and they'll give you, or you'll buy it obviously, but they'll point you towards a little pad, a little rubber pad about uh, two centimetres, three centimetres thick. And you put that pad on your lap and they, and they teach you, well, they teach you patience for one thing, but that's a byproduct. They teach you what's called a paradiddle, all right? A paradiddle. Now, paradiddles take many forms, but you learn them in a progression. The first paradiddle you learn is called left, left, right, right. And... But you don't say left, left, right, right. You say paradiddle, 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 paradiddle. What's that, mum? Paradiddle, paradiddle, paradiddle. Etc. right? Okay, so now you can then go on to two, three, three, two. You, you find out this thing called syncopation. I don't want to over-impress you. And then once you've got the down, etc your drum teacher will then return parts of your drum kit and they'll start teaching you a, a thing called drumming. Now, at its very basic, unless you sting, uh, things are written, music, are written as 2-4, uh, right? Now this, uh, for those of you children of the 80s and 90s, this is how the famous Australian song, Run to Paradise, starts. It's 2-4, with, uh, by the way, little uh, uh, bonus content here, with what are called rim shots. Baby! Okay, I, I, I'm, 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 next week I'm gonna talk about singing lessons. Today we'll just stick to the drumming lesson. Right. Now, so that's your 2-4 with rim shots. Now, then you go into 4-4, four, four. right? And then there's another thing called three, four. All right? Okay, I know. Some of you are saying, wow, 
Mark, Tom Cruise. Well, Mark, I didn't know you could play drums. But here's the thing. That's all I got. (laughs) You've just seen my entire... The point is, I actually can't play drums. I could pick up that electric bass. I know it's called an electric bass, which puts me ahead of most of the population. And I could play some... But that's it. That's all I'd have. I could pick up a guitar, any Beatles song written with three chords or less. I could rock them out. But that's all I got. And, and I used to, 20 plus years ago, I used to practice drums, guitar, bass, practice and practice and practice. And, and years in, not weeks, not even months, years in, I, I'm, I'm stubborn and dogged if I'm nothing else. I can tell you right now, I ain't a quitter. I'm in. And I got nowhere. Just got nowhere. And then friends of mine, you know, the black ones would pick up a drum kit and they'd be like Michael Jacksoning off the planet without, oh, I never had one lesson. Yeah, all right, all right, great, thanks, fantastic. If only, you know, anyway, Gumtree wasn't around then, but my drum kit would have been on it if it was. And guitar and so frustrating. And I mean frustrating, like, like tears frustrating, like kept me up at night frustrating. Yeah, okay, it's because in my early 20s, I thought to be cool or cooler or to try to be cooler, you know, pull chicks, play music. So, you know, I was incentivized, but I didn't get anywhere. It was horrible, incredibly frustrating, incredibly disappointing. So I didn't do that anymore. That was not my audition. And if it was, I would have failed it. I don't pick up drumsticks anymore. I don't pick up guitars anymore. I don't pick up electric basses anymore. But give me a preaching microphone. I know how to work that. Give me a leadership assignment. I know how to do that. And so guess what? I no longer spend my time paradiddling and three-chord wondering. I spend my time preaching and leading. I found that that's what God planted me on this earth to do. And here's the thing, some of you are frustrated and find yourselves constantly disappointed because you're trying to produce what God didn't plant. But here's the thing, God doesn't come looking to pick what He didn't plant. He didn't come to the apple tree looking to pick oranges. He didn't come to the apple tree looking to pick figs. He came looking to pick apples. And it was only because of that and not finding them that he was disappointed. But we can get disappointed when we try to do things that are way outside of what God's called us to do. We developed a thing here, an approach, a model, if you like, here at Elevate for people joining Elevate team. We call it Find Your Fit. And it very much plays on this principle that each of us are wired a certain way, created by God and given a certain set of gifts and personalities, and, 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 and we get the opportunity to develop a certain set of experiences and passions rise to the surface. And we try the best we can, the best we can, to get as maximum overlap between where God's planted you and how He's wired you, overlapping with kingdom priorities here at Elevate Church. And, and those of you that have found your fit, you know it's the greatest place to be. 
right in the epicenter, in the sweet spot of what you want. If God's called you to drum and you're drumming, man, you're like, I don't got to do this. I get to do this. This is fantastic. I love this. Our kids team out there, you wanna serve in our kids team? You serve in our kids team, you have to, uh, every two weeks, you, you're, you're in here with, with the grown-ups, and in the other two weeks, you're out there with the little kids, right? That's a sacrifice that they make. See, if you're part of the music team, not to throw the music team under the bus, they're in here for the whole time. So see, uh, if you're part of our host team, you're here for the whole time. Our, our kids team say, two weeks, I'm gonna be part of the grown-ups and, 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 and lean into what God's saying in that space. And the other two weeks, I'm gonna be out investing into kids. But, but, if, but if that's what God's called them to do, they're not out there whinging, they're out there thriving. It's fantastic. So our model, find your fit, really plays to this thing. It could be in a job situation. It could, having said that, let me insert one caveat to this because you can take this, by the way, just, just to, I'm just, you know, you can take this too far. You can take this to, well, you know, I, I don't do that. I don't do that. Uh, what, I've, I met a first time guest in the foyer and they don't know that there's beautiful, delicious complimentary coffee, but I do. But no, I don't do coffee. I mean, I get it for myself. Someone else's job to give it to a first time. We could take this too far and I would never want us to take this too far. In fact, the core of pioneering a church is everyone having a whatever it takes mentality. And yeah, ultimately wanting to, to get into the place where we find our fit, but all the time undergirded by a whatever it takes mentality. Uh, every Sunday morning, when I roll in here on my uh, expensive automobile, um, I dismount. And, and I walk around and I pick up the rubbish. Now, it's none of my job description. I don't get paid extra. I'm not on commission for every litter item. But I do it because it, it, it reminds me that I've got to lead by example to have a whatever it takes mentality. And I'll do that. I don't advertise it. I'm not telling you now to, you know, really, wow. I, but I don't mind telling you now because you need to understand that I smoke what I sell, that I play by the exact same rules that I preach. Um, Friday night, Louis talked about Elevate Youth. Uh, Liz Newton rolled in with a couple of her daughters and some of their friends. And, uh, and we had set up a check-in uh, at the front desk in the foyer. And I was the check-in guy. And Liz walks in and goes, huh, Mark, didn't expect to see you here. I'm like, yep. She goes, isn't it your day off? I'm like, yep. At seven o'clock, aren't you normally in bed by now? I'm like, uh, yep, <laughs> struggling. But you know, the seasons and the situations that we do whatever it takes, even though it might not be exactly our sweet spot and trust that God will continue to lead us towards our sweet spot. We do need to fill gaps where needed, but trust that God. So there's a bit more to this statement than first appears. But here's the thing. Let me switch over to a different translation, which gives us a, a slightly more 30,000 foot view of what was actually going on in this story. Jesus told a parable. A man had a fig tree growing. So the NIV uses figs where the message uses apples. It's fruit, okay? Um, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard and he went, he went to look for fruit on the fig tree but didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. 
cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? So in this, and the reason I've switched to this translation is you can see here that everything else on the owner's property was growing and producing. The owner didn't have a problem with the vines. He had a problem with one fig tree. So it wasn't like the fig tree was in the wrong environment that nothing could grow in the environment the fig tree was in. It was that in this environment where everything is growing and flourishing, there's, there's something odd going on with this fig tree that, that, that it's not actually producing frigs. Frigs. Frig. Um, gee, I preferred apples. But have you ever noticed two people can be in the exact same environment and one of them can be flourishing while the other is floundering. You ever notice that? Same environment, same family. You meet the parents of the one that's floundering and you think to yourself, well, that explains a lot. But then you meet the sibling and they're flourishing. And you think, well, how'd that happen? Same workplace, check in at one cubicle. Guy's a deadbeat, no hoper, blames the employer. Peer over to the next cubicle, guy's flourishing, about, about to get a promotion, just got a pay rise, gets a Christmas bonus every year without fail. Same environment. What's that all about? I've been in leading churches for over two decades and I've heard repeatedly people blaming the church, even though they are the church, but blaming the church for why they're not growing. And yet the person within a five seat radius of them has got stretch marks and growing pains because they can't keep up with the growth. Same church, same environment. How does that work? Well, here's how it works. <laughs> Environments matter. But personal responsibility matters more. See, we're big on environments. We work hard to create compelling environments. We try to make sure this place smells of coffee, not of cat's whiz when you walk in. We try to make sure that the coffee itself is great, not, not, not international roast or black and gold brand. We, uh, never heard of it, we... Um, we, uh, uh, I'll speak to you later. We, um, uh, uh, board members, uh, was that Scott Downey? Board members, uh, please write down the following names, Scott Downey and 11 o'clock, he was a former member of Elevate Church, okay? Um, for mentioning the N-word. <laughs> anyway, we're, uh, we're, um, we try to make sure the teaching is both engaging and helpful, but your growth is your responsibility. Not mine, not the person next to you, not the leader of your Elevate group, not the leader of your Elevate team, not your spouse, not anybody. Environments matter, but personal responsibility matters more. Stop blaming your environment for your lack of of productivity because the person next to you, behind you, in the house across the road from you is producing tonnage and potentially had an even worse environment than the one you've got. 
oh, I had a disappointing education. And you're blaming that for why you're not getting ahead in your career. But then you find, read a book about the guy who was a high school dropout that's now running a multi-million dollar company. You claim that you grew up in a dysfunctional family. Well, by the way, we all did. And you blame that for why you don't treat your wife with great love and affection. But I know men, personally men, who grew up in, in, in houses with absent fathers or broken homes, and they treat their wives like princesses and queens. How does that work? It works because environments matter, but personal responsibility matters more. And I wanna drop this truth bomb as something that I hope is great news to you. That your past is set. And I wish I could go back and change it. You can wish, but it's not gonna happen. But your future is multiple choice. Because here's something that I've learned in life is being in environments that are dysfunctional, being in environments that have caused disappointment has given you a front row seat how not to do it. <laughs> Half the battle's won because you already know how not to do it. So don't spend and waste time and energy on trying to fix stuff that's in your past. You can't change, but what you can change is your perspective. Realize that your future is multiple choice. and do something different to what caused you the disappointment. So the gardener, who wasn't lazy, said to the owner, let's give it another year. I'll dig around it and fertilize, and maybe it'll produce next year. If it doesn't, okay, cool, we'll chop it down. You know, the owner came along, fair enough. He says, if it doesn't grow, it's gotta go. Fair enough, it's his land. Land's valuable. You don't just leave things to die and leave them. No, you gotta pull them out and replace them with stuff that's being fruitful. Fair enough, it's okay. But the gardener, he's a good guy. He didn't quit. He didn't quit. And nor did he make excuses. He knew it was actually his job to get this apple tree producing apples. I mean, he wasn't the tree, but, but it's his job to create the environment and it wasn't. And so instead of making excuses, he said, all right, just give me another chance. Just give me one more year. Fair enough, if after the year it's not producing, we'll get rid of it. But, but, but just give me one more year. <laughs> and I love, I love the moxie of that gardener. He didn't quit. <laughs> you know the devil doesn't have to attack you if you quit? <laughs> devil has finite resources. God doesn't, but the devil has. So he's pretty uh, picky with who he spends his resources on. And if you quit, and if you constantly get disappointed and it causes you to be less defiant, and stop pushing through into a, a more fruitful future, the devil, he didn't have to waste resources on you. He, he gets onto his little database and puts some notes next to your account and puts the word pushover. I came along and I was gonna attack them, but they already fall, fell down. Productivity requires persistence. The gardener said, give me one he didn't go, oh, rip it out now. 
Now, give, me, give me one more year. I know it's been three, I get it. Sometimes disappointment takes a while to turn around and I'll, and I'll tell you about that in a moment. But just, just give me one more year. <laughs> Having said that, it's important to understand that he didn't then go on to do more of the same. Give me, give me one more year and I'll just copy and paste what didn't work. And let's see if that magically changes. No, no. He, he said, all right, give me one more year and I'm gonna change my approach. I'm gonna do a couple of things differently and let's see if that will make the difference. So here's a couple of things he did. The first thing he did was dug. He did, he dug. I'll dig around it. He got beneath the surface. See, the, the, the symptom was at the level of the branches, but the problem was at the level of the roots. And one of the mistakes we can make when things aren't going well, when we're experiencing disappointments, is just to treat the symptoms, but actually, that's not gonna be the fix. The fix needs to be done at the level of the roots. The reason my tomato plants died overnight is a thing called blight. Blight is a soil-borne fungal disease that attacks nightshades, in this case, my tomatoes. It's in the soil. So here's the thing. If coming next summer, I go back to that same patch of soil and plant another 30 tomato plants, they will experience the exact same fate of the ones that I planted in November last year. So what I have to do is I have to dig out the soil and replace it. I have to get beneath the level of the roots. I, I can't even blame the tomato plants because they weren't the problem. You can yell at your spouse for why you're miserable. You can yell at your situation. You can yell at your genetics. Oh, I was just born a pessimist. You, you, can, you can yell at your boss. You can yell at your bank account. You can yell at your past. You can keep yelling and yelling and yelling at the apple tree because a stupid apple tree is not producing apples and you're disappointed. So you keep yelling at the apple tree and yelling and guess what? Ain't nothing gonna change by yelling at something that's not productive. You gotta change your approach. You gotta dig. You gotta go deeper. Oh, I don't like to do that. That's painful. Yeah, well, if you didn't like that piece of advice, you're gonna hate the next piece. Because he didn't just dig, he dunged. I'll dig around it and fertilize. This was not Bailey's brilliance. This was not Scott's with extra water holding stools stuff. I know what it's called, I don't use it. This was poo, manure, crap. I'll come back to that. But I want you to notice that before he started digging and dunging, he asked for another year. So you say to God, I'd be disappointed with this area of my life. I wanted things to turn around. I'm willing to change my approach. You start digging and you start dunging. And we live in this instant gratification society. And after a week, 
our circumstances haven't turned around and we get even more disappointed and we quit, aka pushover. And this gardener said, well, it might take me a year. So I'm going to dig it and I'm going to dung it. It's going to take time and chances are you're going to go through some more crap. We like to do real here, have you noticed? So let me say something that's real, real. Really, for reals. Let me ask, just, just ask, you don't have to answer me out loud, but just ask the question. Have you ever prayed for God to grow you in a certain area of your life and then you've barely said amen and life dumps another pile of crap on you? You read this story that Jesus told, he wants us to see failure as fertilizer. See, I was out digging at the end of winter, I mean, at the end of summer. I couldn't even bear to look at it through December, January, February, March. But April, I decided to stop being a pushover and get back in my vegetable garden and get some winter crops happening. So I started digging and then I started bunningsing and I filled my Vesper up with sacks and sacks and sacks of manure. And I scooted back to my house Saturday morning and I started putting in the organic cow manure, the rooster booster, chicken poo. Saturday morning, it's, uh, you read this in chapter three of how to be friends with your neighbors. And um, the, the aroma was, was starting to become quite overwhelming. So Louis emerges from the dead zone and comes out, comes out to me in, in McKing G's and, uh, and she comes out and she goes, this is, a, this is actually a real life reenactment. I even do Louis stunts. She comes out and she goes, oh, great. It's that time again. Oh, I hate the smell of that. Oh, that smell, it's disgusting. I can't stand it when you put crap on the garden. And me, being unflappable at all times, I said, Amore. I said, I said, Amore. It's not crap, it's compost. And sometimes, it's just a simple change of perspective to see failure as fertilizer for our future, to see crap as compost. Some of you, I'm not gonna go deep into the story, but some of you know one chapter in our story that I got fired from a church I was leading a number of years ago, and it was crap. <laughs> that was crap. And it was so crap that we gave the church the Francis Underwood treatment and said, we're out. Love you, Jesus, not a fan of your church. They fire people. And uh, so we became what we call de-churched. We're like, we're out. This church thing, nah. But after a period of time, God called us back into his church and, and we fell back in love with his church. But that chapter of 
seeming failure has been one of the most important things that God's been using to make elevate a safe environment for other de-churched people to dip their toes back in the water. Because if you tell me your story is that somehow you left the church or you got blown up by a church or you fell off overboard from a church, if you tell me that story, I'm not gonna judge you because I've been there. And I, but I'll say to you, it doesn't have to be crap. It can be compost. It, it doesn't have to be failure. It can be fertilizer for your future. It, it, after we, I got fired, uh, we, we, we had bought and sold our homes and so on and so forth. And over a two-year period, I calculate we lost, calculate we lost about $750,000, three quarters of a million dollars in two years. And uh, we'd accumulated multiple credit cards. You know, banks continue to be generous. You want another credit card? Sure. Woo, yeah. Woo we had five credit cards. We had other debt that we'd accumulated. And it took us four years to get out of the red and back in the black, four years. The gardener said, let's give it another four years, right? But productivity requires persistence. And here's what happened in that four years. The crap kept coming. You know, when you're barely kinda have enough money to like pay for fuel and groceries, and, and then your mortgage payment comes up? Do you know that the bank phones you? In fact, do you know that the bank sends you a letter and a text message and they phone you to let you know that you didn't make the payment on time? Do you know that the bank that I was with, I'm not gonna say who, the bank that we were with in that four years, they, they now have the uh, robotic uh, computerized call thing going, right? They phoned me. First call was 7 a.m., seven days a week. And the last call was 8 p.m., seven days a week. And they phoned me eight times a day, seven days a week. I, I had them phone me while I was preaching, many times. I had them phone me, their phones got a bit of a sinking while I was worshiping before I'm preaching. I didn't take the call, like ever, but eight times a day. Seven days a week for four years. It was crap. But we turned it into compost. You know, uh, credit cards, th there's a minimum monthly payment you have to make. And you know what's ironic? If you can't make that minimum monthly payment, they actually charge you even more. <laughs> so, like, you already can't keep up and, 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 they, and they put a bit more distance, you know, now that's the system, you, you didn't, you know, it's not a surprise. Well, I didn't know that when I signed up. Yeah, you did, and we did. <clears throat> but we use that not as crap, but as compost. You know, after four years, the first order of business, we didn't go out and buy more stuff to put us at, you know, upgrade my Vespa. No, we just, you know what the first thing we did? Use your failure as fertilizer. We switched banks. We paid off our credit cards, so we weren't a great asset to the bank anyway, but we had you know, mortgage, so you're paying someone's wages, some shareholders' dividends, part of them anyway. And we switched banks. So after four years of using crap as compost, the only person that was disappointed was the customer retention manager who phoned me to ask if there's anything they can possibly do to make us stay. 
and I gave him the Francis Underwood treatment and said, no, you, could, you, you, now, you now are gonna stop me, stop calling me eight times a day because I'm out of debt, but also because we're switching banks. You, 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 you didn't help us when we needed it the most and now you wanna help us when we actually need it the least. It's a stupid system. But all of that chapter of our story, four-year chapter, is why we are so committed to teaching and modeling financial freedom here at Elevate Church. Because we want our crap to become your compost. For our failure, even though we didn't ultimately cause, I didn't fire myself, <laughs> to, to, to help fertilize your future so you don't find yourself in the situation that we got in the first place, or if you are, that you see some people who persisted and eventually got out of it.